Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Vince Travato here with the Brew Crew Review, joined on the set today by Scott Bartell. Scott, how are you today? Uh, doing great. Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to talk Brewers right now, um, you know, because we're taping shortly after uh, unbelievable opening day weekend series. Uh, so, with that being said, is uh, Craig, Chad, are they are they here? I mean, I was going to say, by everybody, do you mean like fifty percent of our own uh, podcast cast? I mean, I'm. I guess Craig has some sort of uh, family commitments, and Chad, Chad, are you on? I know you're a frequent contributor here to the Brewster Review. Um, I will say, I did, I did speak with Chad on opening day, and uh, it was about, you know, three thirty in the afternoon or so, and he did tell me that he was quote going home to pass out because. He uh, may have imbibed or enjoyed the festivities a little too much on opening day. So um, I don't know if Chad's recovered from that yet. We are taping this on Sunday evening, so it is, you know, three, four days, four days later. But um, he may still be recovering from opening day. Well, I have a brand new puppy, and sometimes when I come home, like she gets so excited, she just runs around, jumps around, goes absolutely crazy, like it's the greatest time ever. And then she's got to go pass out for a while. So it's you know, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, hey, that's good. Well, hey, we're we're here to talk some baseball today, so we're we've made it. Um, we have uh, you know survived another off season. We're we're back uh, uh, for a very what I think will be a very exciting 2019 season. And Scott, we've we've now played four games, and uh, we've already seen some some really great highlights and memories already uh, in this very very young season. Um, let's let's talk through that first series here against the Cardinals and and why don't we start with opening day what were your thoughts um I mean it kind of actually it it reminds me a lot of uh the Padres series at the beginning of the year last year like there was just so much going on that uh it was just so much excitement so many great memories that last throughout the year I mean it was absolutely phenomenal and now you look at it this year the only thing is is that like last year it was like oh okay you know, we're on the road, we're playing the Padres, they're probably not that great, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, to start off with a four-game series against the Cardinals and to be able to take three out of four um, and obviously take opening day, and in the fashion in which we took them, uh, it was just right. electric atmosphere. Like, Milwaukee is pumped. Yeah, no, it was incredible. So I did make it back. I flew I flew back from uh, Washington, D.C. for the game on, on Thursday, and – and uh, did miss you, by the way, at the tailgate party. But um, had a great time. It was it was electric. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's been, uh, you know, obviously an off season where I think that expectations were heightened. The Brewers didn't make a ton of moves this off season. We got, as we've discussed in other podcasts, some bullpen arms. We got Yasmani Grandal. But um, basically, it's a lot of the same guys from 2018 that are coming back, at least in the position player sense. So. Um, you know, I think that the fans' expectations have been raised, and there was a lot of energy around the stadium this weekend. Yeah, look at, um, you know, look at Sunday's game, for example. Now, um, I hate to say it, but let's let's be honest here. Uh, in years past, opening day was always sold out, and then maybe opening weekend, not so much. Maybe, you know, two-thirds of the 
like two thirds of the stadium is full or even half, you know, bat, like just in years past, but man, this weekend, um, it was definitely crazy. And not only that, but let's talk about an early season, uh, matchup with the Cardinals. Half the time, the stadium's filled with just as many Cardinals fans. And you looked, um, you know, out when they're, uh, interviewing Yelich after the game, every fan is still giving him a standing ovation. Like everybody's there, like nobody left early. There's all these Brewer fans in the stadium, and it's just absolutely phenomenal to see. Like, I know we've always had an amazing fan base, but um, opening weekend, like I said, is usually a little bit tough. And to see that, it just, you know, just really got me excited about the entire season. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. And, and um, well, as you know, because you and I talked uh, earlier today, I, I actually stuck around in Milwaukee for – uh, the last couple of games. So I went on Thursday, Friday, and today. So I just got back from the stadium, you know, in the last 40 minutes or so it was, it was electric. And there were people that were, uh, I, I don't think anybody left that I saw at least. And it was, it was incredibly electric at the end. And in fact, the talk wasn't, you know, Oh, are we going to leave because the brewers are down? It was, Hey, I want to, I literally heard a guy say to his girlfriend, Hey, I got, we got to stick around because I want to see the comeback. And that was the attitude that I heard uh, expressed in the stands today. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, it's so great. I mean, how many times do you just hear like, and don't get me wrong, like some of it was very warranted, but in years past, like there would just be just this overwhelming uh, pessimism, like just in the stadium and they'd bring in somebody or, you know, somebody would walk or something like that, let's say, um, and or something bad would happen and you would just hear like a murmur going through, like, it's just like a low grumble of, 40,000 right. people. <laughs> right. No, exactly. And so let's unpack the series a little bit. So as, as I'm sure most of our listeners are going to know by this point, the Brewers go three and one uh, in the opening series of the year against the division rival St. Louis Cardinals, but opening day ends in dramatic fashion. Um, I guess that that's one thing to talk about right away is uh, the catch to save the game by Lorenzo Cain. I mean, it would have been a tying home run for the Cardinals. It would have, um, maybe dampen some of that enthusiasm. I do think that there's something to be said for uh, getting a little bit of momentum on opening day and at least not losing in heartbreaking fashion. Um, obviously, it's a long season, but if there's any game that's going to kind of set a tone, I think it's opening day. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that was an exciting game. And 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 then, of course, we, we have to talk about Christian Yelich, who, um, as of this taping, which, again, is on Sunday night after the Brewers defeated the Cardinals again today, not only had a game-winning hit in today's ballgame, but has homered in four straight games to start the year, tying a major league record coming off of his 2018 MVP season. Scott, let's talk about Christian Yelich. Well, I mean, how long is this podcast going to be? Because we could pretty much just have a Christian Yelich fan <laughs> podcast at right. this point because there's so much. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Uh, I, I can't even get into, like, how impressed – like, even when – I mean, let's just – compared to like the best brewer seasons ever. And you're looking at like just last year, for example, I mean, Robin Yelts, two MVP seasons and bronze. And like, just to see what Yelich has done for so long, like not only is it right up there, it very possibly could be the best brewer season ever. And, he, and somehow he's doing better so far in 2019. So. Well, it's, 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 it's absolutely incredible. Guys playing another stratosphere. And I don't mean to just be, you know, speaking in platitudes or being too simplistic with this, but honestly, this may be not only the hottest start of a brewer in team history, but the, you know, coming off of the year that he had last year, 
he, he has to start being in that conversation for, uh, dare I say it, after a year and a week of games, but a legendary brewer already. I mean, it's, it's just incredible for the guy to come in, win the 2018 National League Most Valuable Player Award, and then start off this week. Now, obviously, he cannot maintain this clip, but, I mean, the guy, the guy is literally homered in every game, and it's not like he's going – not that this would be bad by any stretch, but it's not like he's going, you know, one for four or one for five with one home run. The guy's hitting 500 on the year for his batting average um, at this point. Obviously, very early, very small sample size, but three RBIs today. I mean, he's putting up huge numbers. He had he had, uh, he had had several walks today as well. I mean, it's just incredible. The guy does – everything right there's no facet of the game where he's weak it's absolutely incredible yeah i mean i don't think he's going to continue to homer uh every three official at bats he has four homers and 12 <laughs> 12 official at bats and like he said he's walked six times already um yeah. at least one intentional that i could think of and um yeah, yeah he showed a tremendous yeah. amount of patience at the plate and it's just incredible like i mean he doesn't swing at bad pitches at all like it's people go through stretches like that i mean remember um even like jesus aguiar last year um you know since it's his bobblehead day i guess i'll mention um like he went through a clip last year uh but it was only like a stretch of like you know 10 20 games something like that where he was just dialed in and yelich has done this now for over half a year uh really i mean over over a year, I mean, it's well, a half a half year maybe at this level, but even before that, you know, when he went into the All Star break, he obviously was an All Star last year. Right. Even before he <laughs> this level of hot hitting, when he when he was quote only hitting, you know, like two eighty eight, I think it was at the All Star break last year. Yeah, absolutely unreal. Um, there's a stat I, I have to look it up, but I'll I'll, I'll get no, to have it. The, no, have have the interns do it. That's what they're there for, Scott. Okay. Um, since the all-star break, Christian Yelich has hit 28 home runs on 59 fly balls. That's I mean, it's, 47% it's of his fly balls have been homers for over half a year now. Absolutely incredible. I have to give that one up to uh, Jeremy Frank at MLB Random Stats. He was the one who came up with that. Our interns did not yep. because our interns are terrible. Yeah, no, they, they we need to clean house on that again. But um, but but you're you're right. And Yelich is uh, not only a great hitter, but he's also playing great defense. I mean, you're not losing a step with Christian Yelich. You know, with a guy like Ryan Braun, or um, you know, using using other examples around the league, you play a guy defensively who isn't the best defensive player, but he makes up for it with his offense. Tons of guys like that. But that's not Christian Yelich. He's a complete ball player. He's a five tool talent. I mean. I, I, I literally cannot say enough good about Christian Yelich uh, when it comes to baseball. Yeah. And um, I guess one really interesting thing, as long as we're bringing up defense, this is probably the closest I'll get to segueing into something. Um, it is kind of amazing. Like um, that Stearns, for example, uh, takes a guy like Moustakas and he says, Hey, you played second base before. Yeah. Maybe a few years back, not in the pros, not really. Um, okay, yeah, we'll sign you and you'll just do that. Sound good? And he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. For $10 million, I'll do whatever the hell you want. So it's like, okay. But, but right. But what Stearns realizes is that um, this is a league that is now getting dominated by 
outcomes that are not balls in play. And defense, um, I know it's important, but it's certainly not as important as it used to be. And when you can bring the, uh, the stick that Mike Moustakis can and put him at second base, uh, his defense can be overlooked because he brings so much more offensively. I mean, look at Corbin Burns well, today. Nobody got a ball uh, in play after the first three innings because they'd all struck out. I mean, that's what's happening right. now. There's way more strikeouts. There's a few more walks. There's a lot more home runs. And, I mean, defense just isn't as important. Well, and, and, and getting to your point about Moustakis and David Stern's philosophy, I think you can also do that for two other reasons besides what I think you very rightly point out as being kind of a shift in the way that guys are viewed. But um, number one is the actual literal shift where you've got guys that are playing a bit out of what would have been considered normal positioning, you know, uh, yeah. in five, ten, definitely 20 years ago. So Moustakis, you know, is going to be shaded uh, maybe to a part of the infield that he's a little bit more comfortable with uh, a good a good chunk of the time, but also because the Brewers have been very strong up the middle defensively for a number of years. Um, and we continue to be very strong up the middle defensively with Orlando Arcia at shortstop who can cover a lot of ground, but also Lorenzo Cain and then Christian Yelich, um, you know, in, in, in center and right field for the Brewers. So you've got a lot of guys that can cover a larger amount of territory than an average uh, defender at shortstop or an average center fielder. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, you know, we did have one play where um, Moussakis was unable to turn a double play. It actually turned out that even though he, he didn't have a heck of a lot on the throw, it actually still was a double play, but we just didn't challenge it. It was one of the extra outs that uh, the Ums decided to give to the Cardinals. But it didn't matter. We still took three out of four, so no sour grapes there, guys. That's right. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, just to finish unpacking this, the Brewers did see a bit of a – of a controversy in game two um, with an instant replay call. It seemed like Lorenzo Cannon slid in safe. Scott, do you think that instant replay is going to have to be reevaluated by Major League Baseball, or is this just one of these things that um, happens? Maybe fans didn't have a good look at it on the scoreboard. But, you know, we bill our show as a, as, a, as a show by fans for fans. And I'll tell you, man, I was there from a fan's perspective and looking at the scoreboard and even the replays after the game. I couldn't see how Lorenzo Cannon was called out on that stolen base attempt. Did you see something that, that the rest of us missed? No, I mean, there's like, they showed like three different angles and one of them, not sure. One of them, not sure. And one of them, extremely obvious that he, he had definitely gotten the hand in there before the tag was applied. And I, I, I think that unfortunately, uh, instant replay in MLB is broken despite how we want it, despite how in theory it should be a great thing. It's totally broken because uh, close calls, they're just not willing to overturn, and they just keep saying, well, I mean, if you're not sure, then a like, uh, I guess just go with the call on the field, and that happens all the time. And do you remember how they say, like, oh, there is no tie go to, to the runner, you know, when you run it out to first base? There's no tie or not sure, you know, with, with anything, any kind of call. Like, I don't care what the call is on the field. Look at the replay and tell me what happened. I mean, it's not it's not difficult, and I think that we've – who's ever making the calls in New York is just too conservative with their approach. Like they're just, I don't know. Are they afraid to do their job? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, no, it, it, it was a little frustrating. That is the loudest booing I've heard at Miller park this week, uh, at least. So I will, I will say that, um, which is good because it means that it's not necessarily directed at the team on the field. It's directed more at the umpires and, and everything else. So, um, anyways, yeah, so it was a great first series. The uh, Brewers, again, 3-1 and one after the, the first series of the year against the Cardinals, and optimism abounds. 
Um, the team is now going to head on a road trip. Um, so we have a series in Cincinnati. It's just the one series and then a series at home again against the Chicago Cubs um, this week. So, Scott, let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about the next week of Brewers baseball. Well, um, to go out even a little bit further, um, as uh, Craig, I assume he got this from an intern, but 20 of our 26 first games of the year are against the Cardinals, Cubs, and Dodgers, which is absolutely ridiculous. And the other six... I don't think that, that, I don't think that that's accurate from our interns because we go to Anaheim to play the Angels. Well, uh, that's just it. 20 out of 26. Three are against the Reds on the road, and three are against. Oh, the, I'm sorry. I thought I thought you said 25 out of 26. Sorry, Scott. Sorry. Uh, oh no, 20 out of 26, and then the other six are road games. Three against right. Anaheim, and three against uh, the Reds. So, I mean, it's an incredibly tough stretch for your first month of the season. I actually hope yeah. after 26 games, if if we have at least 13 wins, I'm thrilled. Uh, because well, and let's, and let's also point out that the Reds have improved and that they're also within our division, you know, so even, you know, not counting just the games against the Cubs and the Cardinals, we've also got Cincinnati coming up. A yeah. much improved team. Yeah, absolutely. Road games are tough. And uh, the Angels are no slouch either. They have the best player in the league, not named Christian Yelich. No, he, yeah. Mike yeah, Trump no, right. actually be the best player in the league. But um, Yeah, no, he's legitimately really, really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only hope that there's some day when, like, people start debating, like, Mike Trout or Christian Yelich. Like, that'd be pretty awesome. That means that Yelich had an unbelievable career. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, rough start. So, so what are your – let's go, uh, I guess, uh, between the two of us here. What are you projecting here? The Brewers have a – three-game series uh, again on the road, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against the Reds, an off day on Thursday, and then they come back home to play the Cubs in a three-game set on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and what should be a very good and very exciting and hopefully well-attended by Brewers fans uh, series at Miller Park. So six games this week, um, Reds and Cubs, what are you projecting, Scott? Um, I actually think that somehow – well. What is good is, you know, at least we have an off day in between, so that's kind of nice for traveling and whatnot. But um, I, I don't know. I, I hate to say it, but I think it's only going to be 500. And I'm actually going to say that we're going to somehow lose two or three at Cincinnati and then win two or three against the Cubs just because uh, I really want to beat the Cubs. So that's what I'm just going to go with my heart there. All right, I'm gonna. I'll take the more optimistic tack uh, this week. I'm gonna say that we're gonna be four and two. Um, that we'll get two or three from both teams. So let's. Yeah, I'm gonna think optimistically. Two or three from Cincinnati. Two or three from the Cubs. I think it was huge that we won this game today and, and got three or four rather than split the series with the Cardinals. Um, I think that that gives us a little bit of momentum. So yeah, I'll, I'll go four and two this week. All right, that sounds like a plan. Just remember also that uh, former Brewers pitching coach slash miracle worker Derek Johnson is pitching uh, is now the pitching coach in uh, Cincinnati, and I'm very interested to see uh, what he is going to be able to do with that very young, very raw, but very talented staff. Uh, particularly, uh, I was interested in seeing what he's going to do with Luis Castillo. I actually drafted him in fantasy, uh, but he's a fireballer that's always had control issues and I want to see what he'll be able to do um, 
It'll be interesting. But, yeah, I expect that Reds team to improve significantly on last year. Uh, their offense yeah. is obviously uh, pretty stacked, actually. And uh, Yeah, yeah they are. They, they did have a rainout, uh, at least one rainout this week. So they're one and one right now going into the series. Um, actually, I don't know if they finished today's ballgame yet. But um, one and one as it stands. And Tanner Rourke is going to take them out for the Reds uh, in game one for – uh, Cincinnati against Zach Davies making his first start of the year. Hmm. Good pitcher, underrated. Both of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Davies, uh, Davies is interesting this year. I'm, of all of our starting pitchers, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to what Zach is going to be able to do coming back from injury. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of wild cards in the Brewers starting rotation with a number of young guys. But that being said, you know, we kind of know where their potential is at least. Um, Zach Davies, not so much. I think injuries are always interesting. It seems like they're especially interesting in Milwaukee. Um, so we'll see what kind of year he has. And speaking of injuries, that's my segue here, uh, Scott. Let's talk a little bit about some unfortunate Brewers news this week. Corey Knable, uh, former All-Star, uh, former closer, key component of the bullpen, is out for the year, uh, having not even made an appearance, uh, injuring his shoulder in spring training. What are your thoughts on the ramifications for the Brewers' bullpen with Corey Knable? Uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, I, I'm really unhappy with it. I mean, obviously, we lost Bobby Wall earlier this year, who, uh, again, was traded for uh, – we traded Keon Broxton for him, and he was uh, hopefully going to be like a sixth, seventh inning type guy, and he is also out for the year. So, yeah, the injuries are starting to pile up. We still hope that we get Jeremy Jeffers back. I'm really hoping yep. uh, within the next couple weeks here – because I don't know that we can go more than a couple weeks without um, – at this point, it's pretty much just uh, Josh Hader and everybody else. So, I mean – Right. And I don't, I don't think our colleague Tom Hodgercourt has um, even mentioned uh, anything about a timetable on Jeffers' return, so he's not really using his press pass to his or our advantage. But um, I, I have heard nothing on a timetable for Jeffers' return. Have you heard anything on that yet, Scott? I, I didn't – encourage you to look at probably other sources because if, if, typically if Tom's going to send it out and other people already have so <laughs> that's true so true uh, Adam uh what's his name Adam McCalvey uh he actually sent yeah. out something just before this taping uh saying they threw another bullpen session or extended spring training session today no setbacks everything <laughs> felt fine and he's still hoping uh, to maybe join mid-April, but that is very optimistic at this point. I think it's going to be probably closer to May 1st, but that's just me. That's just what my – well, my source, Tom Carter – or, I'm sorry, anonymous source, Tom Carter. I'm, yeah, he's anonymous. Yeah, Scott, yeah, to Tom, Car Tom Carter is our anonymous source. Let's be clear. We cannot say Tom Carter's name on the air. It has to be – we have to put it in some sort of a code or some sort of, you know – hidden fashion because that's the definition of anonymous so instead of saying tom carter from here on out we have to kind of make a rule no tom carter but say t carter or tom c and um and maybe we could have the intern you know tweet out a covert picture of him rather than his actual photograph like we were discussing um because he wants to remain anonymous that's sort of the whole point Somebody on Twitter actually said that they were really impressed that we would give out the name of our anonymous source on Twitter. So, um, I, I mean, I, I, I was happy to, you know, just get the accolades and the kudos from them. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess 
future. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. Tom Carter, I'm really sorry that I keep saying your name. And um, you're a phenomenal uh, human being and uh, ticket office manager and also a great inside source. So, uh, yeah, keep those keep that info coming. Don't shut the pipe. You, guys, are, you guys are your anonymous source, I tell you. <laughs> hey, is it Tom? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, everybody, we are joined on the set by our old friend Chris Zantow. Chris, uh, thanks for joining us on, on kind of a, a last-minute notice here. We're we're missing Craig and Chad. We think that they're still recovering from some opening day uh, over celebrations, but um, glad to have you here joining us on the set. Chris, how are you today? Great. Thanks for having me again. Um, I guess I'm pinch hitting, if you will. Well, we'd love to have you. Actually, you'd be more reliable than uh, either one of those guys or our anonymous source, Tom Carter. So glad to have you. <laughs> well, Tom's pretty reliable. Giving us that info. So. <laughs> and, and Chris, we should ask you first uh, before we even get into our next topic. But um, you know, we had you on the show back in I think it was February. Um, it was cold. It was snowy. Uh, now it's bright. It's there's sunshine. There's baseball being played at Miller Park. Um, do you have any uh, updates now in this season of optimism about your uh, your book or its coming release? Well, I will say that today I decided because it's the the anniversary of Bud Selig buying the team in bankruptcy court. That you know, of course, with the Seattle Pilots, that I put the names of the chapters of the book out on Twitter, um, which was a big deal for me. I thought. That that's exciting. That's really exciting. Um, do we know a, a published date yet? I'm still waiting on that, and I hope to have more info soon. I'm also still waiting on the cover. They're trying to track down an appropriate image, which I can imagine for you know publisher is pretty difficult. Yeah, no, that that sounds good. And uh, we'll just remind our listeners again: the name of the the upcoming book that you wrote is Building the Brewers, Bud Selig, and the Return of Major League Baseball to Milwaukee. And it will be published by McFarland, uh, McFarland Press or McFarland uh, Publications here in 2019. So very excited to see that. I'm certainly looking forward to it. It's been a long road. I started it in 2015. I think I told your listeners back when, when you guys interviewed me the first time. Yeah, well, there are listeners now, Chris. You're, you're on the team. So uh, glad glad. Glad to have you and uh, excited about the book and also excited to hear your opinion about uh, the Brewers bullpen and Corey Knable and, and Scott and I were just talking about, you know, the bad, obviously a great, great news week for the Brewers going three and one against the Cardinals, but also getting, you know, a little bit of bad news with the Corey Knable injury. And I guess my first question to you as you join us is number one, how do you think that affects, you know, the Brewers bullpen as it's currently set up? And then we'll segue um, and, and ask everybody here, do you guys think that the Brewers still need to make a move um, to, to bring in some more help for the bullpen? I saw another report today from uh, our, well, our colleague Tom Hodricourt poo-pooed it, but I think others have, have reported it as being fairly accurate that the Brewers are still talking to Craig Kimbrell. Um, do you guys think that uh, that, that, that might happen? And, and let's talk you know, about those couple things. Well, I think being at the game today, I was there with a friend, and you see a tale of kind of two bullpens over the weekend. You saw the set of guys that pitched opening day and the set of guys that pitched today. and Pretty encouraging, although a small sample size out of Matt Albertson and uh, Jacob Barnes. Yeah, yeah, and and both those guys look really sharp today. And, you know, Albers didn't look bad in his uh, previous appearance either. I know he had let one inherited runner score, but – 
um, you know, kind of limited the damage a couple nights ago. So good to see that after Elbers really struggled at the end of the year uh, in 2018. So if he can come back and, you know, be a part of that uh, solid core in the 10, that would be pretty exciting. And um, do you guys think, though, that we're going to have to make a move like saying Kimbrell and, and Scott, maybe you can speak to, to some of our Twitter stuff. I know we put it out on social media this week. Do you want to kind of relay what those uh, stats were that our interns put together? Our stats on what? Just anything? Uh, the Brewers bringing in Craig Kimbrell, Scott. You got to pay attention during the podcast. What? No, I just, I was like, what's. <laughs> 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 I was like, okay. No, um, no, first of all, I'm definitely going to say that, like, uh, as somebody else on Twitter said, I, I don't have their name, but it, like, Tom uh, H is definitely uh, carrying the water for the Milwaukee Brewers. That was an article published for the Brewers by the Brewers. And Unfortunately, it was not for readers of the Journal Sentinel or the Journal Sentinel who pays him money to actually like, <laughs> give him the, the, like to give actual information. But um, unfortunately, no, it's totally not true. In this case, I have multiple sources that will tell me that we are definitely still talking to Kimball. And it was sort of our way of like giving a little bit of a line in the sand, even though we don't have a line in the sand, uh, to say that uh, we weren't going to raise our current offer to Kimball. Uh, but no. Right. Definitely still talking to him. I definitely still think that we still need a guy like Kimbrell, um, who, I mean, realistically, can he can basically replace uh, a Corey Knebel. And I, I think the yeah. of our bullpen, was, of the strength of our team last year was indeed our bullpen. And uh, unfortunately, we could see some real heartbreaking close late losses if we don't. Uh, have some absolute firepower at, at the back end of that bullpen. And I think right now we're hurting. Yeah. When we were like midway through spring training and the, those, some of those reports, um, you know, started coming out about the Brewers interest in Kimbrell. I, at that point thought, wow, what a great addition only because it would really supplement and be like this huge bonus to have in our, in our bullpen. When you have Hater, Kimbrell, <laughs> Knable, Jeffers now after these couple you know, injuries to both Knable and Jeffers and Knable's being really serious and missing the whole year. Um, it seems like it's more a necessity, unfortunately, than a luxury, which I think it was a few weeks ago. Um, Chris, what do you think about possibly adding Craig Kimbrell or another bullpen arm? I think that it, it'll probably happen. I, of course, question, I'm not Craig Kimbrell, of course, but I question how long does a guy really want to sit around and, and not play? And right, right. even if he signs a one-year deal, that's a good move on his part because he can go out and just keep proving himself and then sign the multi-year contract after this year. Yeah. And I could see the Brewers even going up to two years with a guy like Kimbrell, who's got such a long track record, but yeah, absolutely. If they get, if they get a higher, you know, average annual value than maybe he might get from another club, that's where the Brewers have, have maybe found a bit of a weakness in the current system. You saw that with Yasmani Grandal, um, you know, earlier this off season where, we give out what I consider to be a fairly high dollar amount for him, but for only one year. So the team isn't hamstrung for years and years down the road with a bad contract. It's, it's, it's essentially one year and maybe we sign him for another one year deal uh, after this season. You never know, but either way, the club isn't hamstrung with an 18 something million dollar contract every season for the next four years. Yeah. You don't want to hit another Eric Gagne type, you know, that, that was a different story, obviously. <laughs> But you know, <laughs> don't say that name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess oh, I'm say 
thing I kind of wanted to point out is that, I mean, when you look at years past, uh, we were able to uh, bring up talent from within to bolster the bullpen uh, halfway through the season. Uh, we did that with Josh Hader. We did it with Corbin Burns. And yep. um, this year, I hate to say it, but the well is a little dry right now. I mean, we really don't have um, anybody coming up this year is my guess. I mean, I mean the closest we probably have, uh, you know, to a major leaguer is probably Zach Brown is still in double A. And so yeah. I don't see anybody making the jump. I mean, we have some really good pitchers in double A. I think uh, uh, Marcus Stiflin's down there. Uh, there's, there's a few guys down there that, that could probably help this team in, in two years, but I don't think that anyone's really going to be able to step up and, and make that jump to the majors this year and be effective in the back of the pen, unfortunately. So uh, if we don't have it from within, then that's when you got to look at other directions. And I've heard some slight rumors about, you know, maybe um, make, pulling off some kind of a trade. But if we do something like that, then we unfortunately are going to be giving up some of that talent in our farm system. And as a small market, that should be kind of a last resort. So mm -hmm. let's see what happens. Yeah, and a couple things at that point, really quick. You know, we we I think Zach Brown is actually fairly close to to being ready, kind of like Corbin Burns was last year. We do have Jake Patrika, who's a veteran guy um, since the AAA to start the year, but he at least is a veteran. And we have signed since our last taping. We did sign and already seen make an appearance. Uh, Alex Wilson, who the Brewers picked up, um, I believe, off of waivers or as a free agent after being released by Cleveland. So, um, but a longtime Tiger major league vet. Um, and, and he had a successful first outing with the Brewers, and I guess it remains to be seen how you know, effective of an arm he'll be out of the pen. But there is a guy with at least some pedigree coming out of the Brewers' bullpen um, you know, from a late spring training acquisition. Uh, kind of like last year maybe with, with a Dan Jennings-type pickup at the end of spring training, David Stern seems to, seems to do that every, every year for the past few years. Yeah, there's definitely options. I just don't think I would put any of them you know, on – that are ready right now. I, I just wouldn't put any of them anywhere near the caliber of uh, Hader or Burns, unfortunately. I mean, they're, they're good. It was good pickups for depth, but we're not, you know, completely in trouble when, you know, two of our, of our key bullpen people go down, but yeah, uh, they're good, but not, not quite Hader or Burns. Right. So, all right. Well, last question here, I, I guess, before we switch over to our rapid nine uh, around the horn trivia, um, were you guys surprised by any of the roster moves or the, the final guys to make the 25-man roster going into the year? Uh, Chris, why don't we start with you? And, and uh, you know, obviously the roster wasn't set until a couple hours before game time um, on Thursday. Was there anybody that made the team that was a surprise or anyone that did not make the team that you were surprised by? I don't think so. The only thing I kept coming back to toward the tail end was the possibility of the Kimbrel signing rumor right. that was floating around that they were they were still looking and you know they were taking it up kind of to the last minute and are they going to sign the guy or not and that that was kind of surprising to me that it didn't happen yeah fair, fair enough scotty how about you um i guess i'm slightly surprised that um we would have the sort of middle infield group of uh, Perez I thought would make it but then after that uh, I was kind of looking at maybe two out of three between uh, Dubon, Saladino and Spangenberg but uh, yep, yep, yep. all three of them made it I thought we were going to maybe keep an extra arm 
especially with the injuries to the bullpen. I, I thought we would go that route, but we did not. So, I mean, grass to them. They all made it. Yeah, so right now the Brewers are carrying 13 pitchers, which I think is, you know, around or maybe even one more than many teams. But um, so I, I, I was a little surprised as well that one of the two between Saladino and Spangenberg didn't make the team. I, you know, Dubon with his service clock, I kind of expected to start the year in AAA. So we'll see what happens, you know, when when May hits or, you know, mid-May hits when his service clock wouldn't start. Um, for this season so maybe maybe that's a potential move going forward I, I will say that the one move that I saw as being a bit of a surprise um, was that we are keeping all of Peralta and Woodruff and uh, uh, um, Corbin Burns in the starting rotation and Chase Anderson starting the year in the bullpen you guys have any thoughts on uh, Chase Anderson and, and whether or not he's going to remain in the pen the entire year or maybe we'll see him in the starting rotation again at some point I'd agree with you I was shocked at that too. I thought that one of the three in the back end would shake out and, and Chase would be in the rotation. And then I also kind of wondered, and I hadn't looked at the schedule closely, you know, how April oftentimes will we'll start with four guys and then work a fifth in. Right. Right. So I was kind of, kind of also, you know, I agree with you. I was a little, I was a little surprised at that. I'm kind of wondering if maybe he will wind up back in the rotation. We'll see, you know, how this back three work out over the first couple of weeks or so? Yeah. My, and my problem, you know, a slight problem, not, not a huge, huge deal, but, you know, I thought Brandon Woodruff pitched so incredibly well out of the bullpen last year that maybe that's a role that suits him the best. Not that he couldn't start or wouldn't be an effective starter, but just because he was that dominant in the bullpen for the Brewers um, in both September and in the postseason. And I uh, thought maybe that might be a good role for him. Um, rather than trying out a guy like Anderson who's really not pitched much in the pen, at least not the last few seasons. So, you know, it wasn't about having a bad option in Woodruff. It was more just, you know, this guy was such an effective bullpen piece that maybe that's where he's best suited. So, you know, that that was that was my only real, real surprise outside of not keeping, you know, somebody like Saladino or, or Spangenberg. Yeah, I think, I think I, you can argue the same. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think you can kind of, you know, there's always been that argument in the background too about Josh Hader being a starter and, you know, he's certainly effective out of, out of this world, out of the bullpen. And right. you want the guy every five days or do you want him every couple of days throwing? Right. Yeah. No. And that's, that's exactly it. Um, so yeah. And that, other than that, it seemed like everything else was fairly well decided. We, we kind of knew our battles and we should mention on this podcast since it happened since we last came. Um, the Brewers have traded Eric Kratz uh, to the San Francisco Giants, who, you know, was it was known that he probably wasn't going to make the team barring an injury. You know, Craig Council and David Stearns have been fairly upfront since day one of spring training that, you know, yes, Monty Grandal is our number one catcher, Manny Pena is our number two. And Eric Kratz, you know, if there's a spot we can find for him, great. If not, we're going to have to, unfortunately, either get him through waivers uh, and, and send him to the minor leagues or um, trade him. And unfortunately, he was traded. But um, we'll always remember Eric Kratz and the, the great contributions that he made to the team, um, you know, from June onwards last season and, and certainly in the postseason. He was a great guy to have around the clubhouse. So just wanted to throw out a, a props to Eric Kratz for all that he brought to the Brewers for his, his uh, looks like lone season in Milwaukee. Yeah, I would actually, um, this is going to be a uh, kind of interesting comparison, but I would say that there, there are very few Brewers that, 
made such a great impression on the fan base as a whole uh, in such a short amount of time, you know, in their tenure yeah. with the club. I mean, Kratz was only here for a couple months. I mean, who else has really done that? I mean, uh, the only person I could think of is CC Sabathia. Yeah, right. No, you're absolutely right. And, and Just putting him in that great... category is like crazy. You're a backup catcher. But, he, I mean, he, he was uh, just a great presence on the team, just an overall great guy. Yeah, and Stephen Vogt was injured all last season, and Manny Pena had kind of a down year last year. So to have a guy like Eric Kratz, totally unexpectedly, guy acquired, you know, off of, a, you know, a, or in a trade from the Yankees for, you know, cash or virtually nothing to come in and do what he did is, is memorable. And guys, we're all long-time, long-suffering Brewer fans and have been around for a while. So to see the way that the Brewers honor the teams that have done well, the 82 team, I think we're going to see more of the 08 team going forward. And we all remember 2011, but I think that in years to come and, you know, just discussions amongst Brewer fans and hopefully from the organization, when we're talking about the 2018 Brewers postseason team, I think Eric Kratz is going to be a fan favorite when he's invited back to things in Milwaukee and team reunions and, and autograph signings or whatever else he's doing in the Milwaukee area. I, I have a I, I have a pretty strong suspicion that it's going to be hard for that guy to buy a beer in Milwaukee for a long time to come. Yeah, and certainly throw uh, Curtis Granderson in with him too. As yeah, a, you know, veteran, great veteran, and you know, just great personality and fantastic leadership down the stretch. Hey, the guy sacrificed a tooth. The Brewers. I think that that in and of itself is worth a free free meal or beverage in Milwaukee going forward. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So guys, that's a, that's a good recap here of our, our first week of the year. Again, very exciting to see the Brewers win the first series of the year against the St. Louis Cardinals and three and one going on to our uh, first road trip of the year in Cincinnati and then a big home series against the Cubs. So um, before we end the show, Scott, I'd like to kick it back to you. You have been uh, counseling with our interns here. Uh, as a manager of our internship program, what is our tweet of the week that they gave you this week? Uh, tweet of the week comes from none other than former Milwaukee Brewers employee uh, Cassandra Polanski. Um, after four games yeah. of the season here, uh, she wrote, uh, if I want to know if the Brewers are playing, I'll just ask if Yelich homered. That's pretty synonymous at this point. Cool. Yep. I like awesome that tweet. tweet. That's, uh, Yelich, that's... four homers, won a game. Four games. On That's exciting. Two. Awesome. Great tweet. Yeah, great, great tweet. All right, don't fire the interns. That was a good one that they found. Um, and thank you, Cassandra, for commenting on our show here. Um, we would like to invite you to subscribe if you have not to our Twitter account. It is Brew Crew Review One at Twitter. Um, and continue to send us some um, questions uh, via email. It is Brew Crew Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com. We will get to your questions next episode. Um, so, guys, with that, let's uh, remember to stay classy and go Brewers. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. <laughs>